Thank you for downloading the Bristol Lectures podcast, brought to you by the University of the West of England. In this podcast, we're joined by Anne Jessup, Chief Executive of the Royal Mint. Good evening. My name is Vanessa Moon. I'm Managing Director of Moon Executive Search, and I also sit on the advisory board for the Faculty of Business and Law at the University of the West of England. Thank you so much to Abby Lifton, founder of Organico, for her inspirational success soapbox. That was wonderful. And tonight, I'm so delighted to introduce Anne Jessup, Chief Executive of the Royal Mint, as our keynote speaker. As a business, we've had the great honour and privilege to have worked with the Royal Mint on a number of search campaigns for over a decade. And I cannot emphasise enough what a wonderful organisation it is. A bit of background about Anne. She was appointed Chief Executive of the Royal Mint in February 2018 becoming the first woman in the organisation's 1,100 year history to hold the post. Anne has a significant experience in leading cultural change, manufacturing and growing new business, gained at some of the UK's biggest firms, including Procter & Gamble, RAC and Rolls-Royce. Since joining the Royal Mint in 2008, Anne has held several positions on the board, including HR Director and the Director of Consumer, and has been a spearhead for the reinvention of the business. Under Anne's leadership, the Royal Mint has remained the world's leading export mint, while successfully diversifying into investment products, gifts, collector services, and a visitor attraction. So tonight, Anne will talk about reinventing the Royal Mint. Um, Over the last three years, this 1,100-year-old business has successfully expanded, as I've said, into new markets and attracted new customers, whilst maintaining, retaining a focus on precious metals, design and craftsmanship. Once famous for making UK, UK coins, it is now on a journey to become famous as the original maker. And I know this will be a fascinating and inspirational lecture. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Anne to speak. Thank you. Thank you very, very much. And um, good evening, everybody. And before I start, I'd just like to say, wow, Abby, fantastic. Um, yeah, I'd really be interested to hear more about what, you, what you're doing. So thank you all for inviting me to join this evening. I feel really honoured to talk to you about the Royal Mint's reinvention and my reflections on um, how we've achieved this. In fact, it's a story of two reinventions, not only the Royal Mint, but also my own reinvention, um, but more of that later. I'm so lucky to be the Chief Executive of the Royal Mint, which is Britain's oldest business. My role is is a normal CEO role um, with some really interesting added dimensions. Not only am I the CEO, but I'm also the Deputy Master of the Mint. The Master being the Chancellor, so the Chancellor's my boss. So inheriting one of the Royal Mint's ancient titles, I'm honoured to follow in the footsteps of people like Sir Isaac Newton in the 17th century. A typical week includes all normal business meetings, but also can um, include things like welcoming Stephen Hawkins family who were here and to look at the coin that had been produced um, in his honour, or attending the ancient ceremony of the trial of the picks, which on behalf of the Queen checks the quality of coins. Thankfully, we've passed the the test um, since I've been in the role, because historically, my predecessors, when they haven't passed, have had their hands chopped off. So it's, it's, a, it's a stressful time each year. 
I expect most of you know a little bit about the Royal Mint. You probably have a jar of change at home or a commemorative coin in your family. But at the end of this evening, I hope that you'll leave having a very different picture. Before I talk about the present, I need to take you back to our origins because it's through really exploring our origins and our heritage that we found the formula for success uh, moving forward, which is building on precious metals, material that we work with throughout our history. So for over 1100 years, the Royal Mint has been in the business of making money with the Brit Britain's oldest company and one of the oldest businesses in the world. We were founded by Alfred the Great in 886 AD, when all our coins were made out of precious metals. In this multimedia age, it's really incredible to think that for centuries, people only knew what their monarch looked like because of their coins. Originally, we were based in the Tower of London um, for several centuries, but we moved to Lantricent, just outside Cardiff, um, just over 50 years ago to produce all the coins that were needed for decimalisation at the time. Twelve years ago, we became a limited company with all the shares owned by the UK government. We operate on a totally commercial basis um, and we make a profit and we pay a dividend to the Treasury. At the point that we made this change, we had a, a large circulating um, coin business, um, not only in the UK, but we were the largest exporting mint, um, serving about 50 to 60 countries around the world. And that delivered really all of our profit. We had a tiny um, commemorative coin business. Before I talk any further about the Royal Mint's reinvention, I'll just tell you a little bit about myself, um, Bear to look at those photographs, but anyway, um, and what's turned out to be a personal reinvention, uh, because I haven't taken a stereotypical path to becoming a, a chief executive. But when I look back at my career, my experience really, I think, ha has been really useful for the role I'm in now. So way back, I studied economics at university. I loved the life there and met some of my lifelong friends. Um, I'm really sorry to report to any lecturers who are on tonight, um, but you know, an in-depth knowledge of economics wasn't the most important thing I, I learned there. Although I did find myself recently referring to, the, to an elasticity of demand curve, can't quite believe it. I think the most important skills, again, were how to analyse situations, how to think big picture, and importantly, how to work in groups and, and to live, deliver an objective. On graduating, I joined um, Rolls-Royce Aero Engines um, as a graduate HR trainee, and that's where I first um, experienced manufacturing, and it was a great grounding, but at the time, HR appeared to be distant from the commercial focus of, of the organisation. So I moved on to Procter & Gamble, where, and that was where I first learned about the strategic difference that HR can make, but that's a whole other speech. Um, so over the next few roles, I gained retail, B2B and B2C experience. And my focus really has been on working in organisations that have really rich history and are, and are undergoing strategic change, but where cultural change is a really important part of delivering that strategy. It was during that time that I started to work with strategy facilitators and eventually progressed to take on that role myself. A personal family move to Wales meant I was lucky to be um, appointed as the Royal Mint um, HR Director in 2008 and I was part of the change that moved from a government department to a limited company. 
It was there after a few years I've started my own reinvention. The chief executive at the time was um, a fantastic mentor and was really encouraging me to move to a business role. And I was really apprehensive because really I loved working in HR, but eventually I agreed to move to um, the MD of Commemorative Coin um, role on a temporary basis. And I absolutely loved the job. I learned that the skills I developed during my career were really transferable and that as a leader I didn't have to be an expert in everybody else's role and I think that's a really valuable lesson I learned taking that approach has opened up many more opportunities to me. So in 2018 when the chief exec role became vacant it felt like a natural step and I was delighted to be appointed the first female chief exec in our 1100 year history which was a huge step forward for equality in the organisation. I'm really proud that our executive team now has a 50-50 gender balance and women are fairly represented at all levels in the business. I firmly believe that attracting a diverse workforce is, is an essential aspect of our reinvention. And ensuring that we're an inclusive organisation is a real priority for me personally. Recently, we've, ex we've experienced how having a more diverse team can deliver business growth, attracting more diverse customers. The team have recently produced our first gold investment bar featuring a Hindu god, absolutely beautiful. And we produced this with the support of Cardiff Hindu Temple. And it's been so successful in attracting new customers. And tomorrow, I'm delighted to join the, them in their celebration of Diwali. The reason for sharing my brief history is to emphasize that there are different paths to become a leader and all the experiences you gather on the way are equally valuable. Whilst having a career path mapped out can be helpful, if it's too rigid, it may mean that you may miss out on some fantastic opportunities. So that's a little bit about my reinvention from HR director to chief executive, but much more interesting is the reinvention of the Royal Mint. So what drove the transformation of our business? Well, for ele over 1,100 years, the Royal Mint thrived on being the best in the world at manufacturing currency. But as cash evolved, um, it became critical for us to evolve too, or we wouldn't have survived. The, rash, the rising cashless society didn't come as a surprise to us. We've been monitoring it and understood it would happen. And we've been preparing for a number of years. And the speed of change varies around the world. In UK, the demand for a UK coin has declined by about 65% over the last 10 years. 10 years ago, or even five years ago, making currency was the core of our business, driving the most of our profitability. But we knew this would change. So as I was appointed as CEO, it was my role to ensure we would survive. A whole community has grown up with us in Lantricent, with generations of families working at the Royal Mint's sustaining direct and indirect jobs. We're more than just an employer for so many people. We're a community. And when I took up the post, I was determined that the Royal Mint would not decline on my watch. I owed it to the people who, who came before us, our team, our community, and the people who will join us in the future. Many people had lots of views about what we should do. We certainly are never short of ideas here at the Royal Mint, but I needed to really make ensure that we focused on what really mattered. So in 2018, we launched our three-year strategy. Our vision um, was to reinvent the Royal Mint for the 21st century. 
And at that point, we didn't really know what we wanted to reinvent ourselves to. That was part of our journey. It's an easy thing to say, but in reality, it was the biggest change in our 1,100-year history. We needed to evolve our business, bring our people on our journey, and change the public perception of us. So how did we set about that task? Our strategy focused on three different areas. The first area was our currency business. Um, we'll always retain the ability to make UK coins. That's absolutely at the heart of who we are as an organization, and it's a non-negotiable for us. However, in a declining market, um, and the market has over uh, has worldwide overcapacity, we needed to take action to become cost, make sure we became cost effective. We made the difficult decision to contract the capacity in line with demand. We worked really hard with all our um, colleagues in this area to do this in a really planned manner, with, manner without any redundancies. And for a while, we've all, we've had the, a resourcing strategy that has understood that um, roles will be reducing in that area. We took out a significant amount of cost in that area over two years and really improved the efficiency. We did it with people and people were involved. I should just mention here about our relationship with the union, which has been a real bedrock of how we do things. When I joined the Royal Mint in 2008, it was a really adversarial relationship, a real win-lose relationship. But we've really transformed it to be a real adult-to-adult -adult relationship where we all aim to balance the best thing for the business and our teams. And I think it is possible to, to achieve that. I firmly believe that no one benefits from a win-lose relationship. And the union reps are now an integral part of our business planning. We talk to them on a regular basis um, about what, what works coming up for the um, next 15 months. We plan all changes with them. I'm absolutely clear that we wouldn't have been so successful in our transformation without the contribution of the unions. We also focused in our circulating business on expanding the types of coins we offered. So we, we used different metal, metals and we um, this opened up different countries as markets for us. But over the last 18 months, our currency di division has been really adversely impacted by COVID with little coin usage and few orders internationally. However, the business has really continued to safely operate and keep costs under control. It's made a small loss uh, at the end of last year, but imagine what would have happened had we not taken out the, uh, the capacity. We've been, um, been making a significant loss in that area. So our second strategic priority was to grow our consumer division. And it was apparent pretty early on that we needed to um, become a consumer-facing brand. And we needed to start up and grow consumer business and really capitalise on our assets. So let me take you through some of those areas. Our commemorative coin business had been established for a number of years, uh, as I um, explained, but had been a small business. And really, we'd been focusing on uh, um, coins that you would expect us to do, royal themes and anniversaries. But growing and engaging new generations of collectors was key. We expanded the range of collectible coins to include things like um, children's characters, such as Peter Rabbit and, and Gruffalo. And we also wanted to tap into collectors more broadly with different sorts of ranges. So we celebrated music legends such as Sir Elton John and David Bowie, as well as popular movie franchise, including James Bond and Wallace and Gromit. 
And these ranges have appealed multinationally and, and have really helped us grow our global business, which has grown significantly over the past three years. We also produce very large coins, and the largest of the coins this year is a 10 kilogram um, gold coin, really heavy to, to, to lift up. These coins are really beautiful um, works of art and you know, are priced at around three quarters of a million pounds. They're real, real collectors. Um, you just send me an email if you'd like one, um, and we do take commissions for those. Alongside the growth of commemorative coins, we started to develop new businesses, such as the Royal Mint Experience, which you, you can see on the screen. Previously, any visitors we'd had to the Royal Mint were always delighted, always really wanted to, to have a look around um, behind the scenes. So we decided to build on that quite literally by creating a nine million pound visitors attraction, which was opened in 2016 by Prince Charles. The Royal Mint um, experience enables people to see our factory, strike their own coin, immerse themselves in our story through an interactive exhibition. And it also features the most interesting treasures from our archives, which have been previously hidden from the public. Each year, we attract about 100,000 visitors to the Royal Mint experience. And it's really played a significant role in building our brand and allowing us to connect with customers. One of our biggest success stories over the last few years has been the growth of our precious metals investment business, which perfectly aligns with the Royal Mint's precious metals history. Today, we're considered the home of precious metals in the UK, offering customers the option to invest in physical metal or trade digitally via our website. We've seen particular success in targeting young investors who are savvy about investments and technology, and they may be considering cryptocurrency. Our difference is that unlike crypto, every investment people make with us actually has an actual piece of gold to back it, actual physical um, gold back in it. And we believe that that is very important in this very volatile world. So considering how else we could serve our customers, we, we also developed a completely new business area rooted in our history. The Collector Services um, Division specialises in historic British coins. And now it seems like a really obvious step for the Royal Mint to, to do this. But trading in historic coins is very different to, to manufacturing new ones. But it, it's an example sometimes of how, as an organisation, you can, you can um, get so limited about how you think about yourselves. So traditionally, we've always thought about ourselves as a manufacturer. So we never considered operating in the historic coin market. Now it seems really obvious. Because we're uniquely placed to grow this area and we've seen great success. So we started the business about three years ago and now it now delivers three million pounds of profit and we've gained 12% of the UK market and have grown internationally um, with this business as well. Through these business areas, we help customers to secure rare pieces for their coin collection. We run auctions and we offer authentication and valuation services to customers. So this means if you inherit a coin or, or find one, we can tell you if it's genuine and what, and what it's worth. Our third strategic priority was to evaluate and start new ventures. There are so many avenues we could take we could have taken as a business and we spent a lot of time understanding the various possibilities 
and looking at the trends and then evaluating the options. We wanted our new um, ventures to be aligned to our vision and brand. We wanted them to provide new jobs to offset the impact of our declining currency market. And obviously we wanted them to be commercially successful. And we also, as we looked forward, wanted them to support our sustainability aims. And we're just about to launch two new businesses, but more of that later. So where are we today? So three years on, I'm proud to say that we've successfully reinvented the Royal Mint, quicker than expected, with record-breaking results and under um, conditions that we couldn't have possibly envisaged due to COVID at the start. So um, we announced our financial results over the summer. We actually delivered the largest ever profit in our consumer division. This more than offset the small loss we made in, in currency. And it's a fantastic achievement by everyone at the Royal Mint. I honestly could not be prouder of how hard people have worked and how much they've got on board with the need to reinvent the business. So reflections, if I reflect on the stages of our um, transformation, there were a number of key themes where I believe they've been central to delivering the reinvention of our business. Firstly, I think it's really important to understand the core values and beliefs inter held internally by your um, colleagues and employees and externally amongst your customers. In other words, what's the DNA of the organization? If you understand this internally, you can make it central to your transformation strategy. It can help you frame the answer to the most commonly asked question you face, which is why, why should I change? Doing this gives the best chance of aligning and motivating employees. So for example, pride in working for the organization with an 1100 year history, pride in craftsmanship and continuing uh, contributing to the local community is the internal DNA of the Royal Mint. It's what matters to our employees. By ensuring that this continued and was at the heart of our strategy, we were able to galvanize support from our people. Externally, it's important to understand the core values that customers um, attribute to your brand. Rather than throwing those out of the window because you're transforming them, perhaps think about reinterpreting them for the new environment. In that way, you're not expecting customers to totally change how they think about you. You're simply trying to leverage those brands. For example, people associate the Romit with security, craftsmanship, Britishness and precious metals. So we've used those as the foundation of our strategy. Remember, as I explained, precious metals was there in 886 when we started. Following an extensive review of our brand in 2020, we unveiled our new brand position as an original maker, celebrating our heritage as a British oldest company. We are the original maker in the UK and in the world. Being the original maker is more than just a marketing initiative. It's a set of principles that run through our whole business and our strategies, making it clear what a customer, employee or partner of the Royal Mint can expect when they interact with us. It stands for British made, ethically driven and trusted. Understanding the internal and external DNA of your business and placing it at the heart of your plans, in my experience, makes your reinvention so much easier. Secondly, I believe that it is critical that you have a well thought through and meaningful vision. 
It is a vision that will provide a strong direction for your strategies and plans that fall under it and can be used to check and challenge any direction. I'm sure you've all seen organisations where they have a vision where nobody refers to it or nobody remembers it. Often they have words in it of world's best to them. What does that mean? Um, and often they don't reflect the tasks or the strategies that need to be undertaken. I personally like the definition I once found, uh, which says a vision is a dream with a plan. A good vision should enable you to look at a proposal and say yes or no, based on its ability to help you achieve that vision. The vision is like knocking a nail in at the top of a wall and the strategies are the plan to actually get there. And having clear strategies, in my experience, is also an important element of a successful transformation. Often people get hung up on what a strategy is and they often complicate it. But I like the definition by an economist which says that a strategy is the means of creating a long-term successful plan for an organisation. And having clear strategies, which we shared with all our colleagues, ensured that we had an integrating plan to achieve of our reinvention. And they provided particularly important um, during COVID, as our response to, 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 the co to COVID over 18 months could have been 18 months of small tactical wins because so much was uncertain, the world was uncertain. Instead, um, we assessed the impact of COVID on the strategies um, already in place and quickly determined the need to adapt or change. Within the first month of the pandemic, we made the necessary um, amendments and moved forward with our strategies to continue to focus on our reinvention. And I think the strategies really provided that, that anchor for people. As we maintained our trajectory, I'm proud to say that we were able to help also the fight against the pandemic, producing 1.9 million visas, something we'd never made before, for the NHS at a point when they were most desperately needed. Another factor is understanding the capabilities you have and where additional or specific new skills are needed particularly when you're entering a new market. It's important to be humble, I think, enough to realise that sometimes you're not the expert and to seek experience to make your business stronger. It's easy to think you can do everything. For example, um, when we opened the Royal Mint Experience, we were entering the, the tourism business for the first time. We knew nothing about tourism. So we decided to let a more experienced uh, tourist organisation actually run the centre for us for the first couple of years whilst we learned and then we took it over. And in our historic coin business, we acquired a part of a coin sourcing business and we understood that was a strategic capability that we didn't um, have. Well, having successfully achieved our first stage reinvention, um, we've just completed our next stage five-year strategy with a new vision, which you can see there. So we absolutely, as I said, um, during our first vision, were deciding what we wanted to be effectively when we, we grew up in our next stage, we've now decided. We want to be famous and trusted as the original maker, making metals precious to our customers. So we're all about metals that have value um, and how that relates to our customers. And we really want to showcase British craftsmanship. So our whole strategy is um, anchored in achieving that vision. 
And over the next three years, we'll continue to manage the decline in circulating coin whilst retaining our capability to make UK coins. We'll, we remain a key employer and that's really critical for us. And we look to reskill and transfer employees to growing parts of the business as quickly as we can. We'll continue to grow our consumer business both in the UK and internationally. Real um, strong international growth plans. Um, built on our phenomenal success in the last three years. And we'll launch two new businesses, one which I was so excited to be involved in announcing last week. Um, the first one is um, uh, Caesars becoming um, a leader in, a recyc in recycling precious metals by using a really innovative um, new chemistry to strip gold from e-waste, such as mobile phones and laptops. So currently, every year, there's 50 million tonnes of electronic scrap produced each and every year. And in the UK, it either goes to landfill or it's sent on a ship overseas, which and then it's smelted at high temperatures in order to um, uh, recycle the precious metals, none of which is great for the environment. Um, but this is a great example of um, how we've used our DNA um, of precious metals and interpret it into the challenges of the world and, and how it faces uh, the challenges the world faces today. It's really exciting and it puts sustainability at the heart of our future. Our second new business, um, soon to be launched, involves precious metals products which are currently mainly um, manufactured overseas. And we're going to be bringing back those jobs and skills to Britain by manufacturing those products on our site. And that will also obviously reduce the carbon impact of these um, products. This will, is an important part of us showcasing British craftsmanship as mentioned in our vision. So in summary, as a result of the work we've done over the past few years, we know who we are, we know where our purpose lays, we know our route forward, and we know um, where we should focus our efforts on to grow. It's been the highlight of my career and um, being the Chief Executive of the Royal Mint. And often I pinch myself, I'm so lucky to have had this incredible role and to work with such a passionate team. Together we're really making history by transforming the um, Britain's original makeup, Britain's oldest organisation. Thank you so much for your time this evening. I hope you've learned something about the Royal Mint and um, hope you can take some of uh, our experiences into your business and your careers. And we're always happy at the Royal Mint to, to share um, our um, information and, and to speak to people. So please do contact me if you'd like to. Thank you. And thank you so much for that fascinating account not of your own personal journey, but also um, the amazing case study of the the reinvention of the the Royal Mint, which is it's it's fascinating in itself. You know the actual story of the Royal Mint, but the, the lessons that you were drawing out from it around uh, how do you go about reinventing um, a, a company as as old as eleven hundred years um, when it's it's facing real challenges in terms of changes that impact rather like you know. The, the digital revolution impacting on, on conventional photography, for example, which did for a number of big famous names. So uh, fascinating. Um, 
I've got some great questions coming through. If I if I keep glancing to the side, I'm not just looking shifty. I'm just looking down at my, my <laughs> that's screen fine. that's got the, the questions on it. But if I may share some of these um, with you. Um, the first is um, how, how do commemorative coins get chosen? And, and then more specifically, can we have a series celebrating lesser known Britons, especially women and those from ethnically diverse backgrounds? Yeah, great. Two, two really good questions. Um, so, um, first of all, to, how, how do um, the coins get chosen? So, um, there is there's, it's a really long process. So, there is a, um, so uh, we do some research, and um, indeed, people do write to us with ideas. Um, so, if anybody's got any ideas, please do write to us because some of them are great ideas. Um, and so we do re research and then there is a um, committee called the Royal Mint Advisory Committee that has external people who sit on that. Mm -hmm. um, and um, we work with them um, and we also work with the Chancellor because the Chancellor, the Master of the Mint, has to approve the, the themes. Um, and um, indeed the Queen has to approve the, the themes. So we then produce the, um, uh, the designs and they're approved again. And then um, there's actually, they become coins by going to something which is called the Privy Council. Um, and um, that's a very final process. And, and that's where the Queen says, yes, I, I agree, this is going to become a, a coin. So that's a very long process. So, um, and then in terms of um, diversity, great question. And this is um, what, um, you know, of the past sort of 18 months, we've been really working on this. So um, about a year ago, we introduced the first coin, which was actually about diversity and really celebrating diversity. Um, and then um, we've also, um, every year we um, uh, do a coin, which is a Britannia, which is meant to be the changing face of women in um, the UK. And this year we launched a, a Black Britannia, and um, all the way um, through all our coin choices over the next um, few years, um, there are a whole range of um, different diversity elements. So for instance, uh, we had a, um, a range on paleontology and um, what we did was we chose Mary Anning and she was, uh, I'm sure people who know about paleontology newer but she is more of a a, a little known um, paleontologist in terms of the general public and so we are trying when we've got a theme like um dinosaurs and um, paleontology to actually choose um not the obvious um you know um white men um uh, people who people would necessarily know and we were delighted last year um, when we um did the diversity coin that actually we sent out packs to um, education packs to all primary schools in England and Wales about um, because it was Black History Month about um, um, black people in history. So it's really important to us. Yeah, thanks, Anne. That was a, it was a great question and, and great to hear how much you you are doing. Um, uh, and, and good to hear that people can write in and make suggestions to you. Absolutely, uh, for, for, yeah, absolutely. But it may, it's, a, it's a long, tortuous process to go through there. I can just imagine the, the Queen and the Privy Council poring over whether Mrs Tiggywinkle should be on a commemorative coin. Um, <laughs> so I know. It is quite amusing sometimes to think of that. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, could, could I have, I've got a lot of questions to, to, to choose from here. Um, I mean, amazing that you were the first female chief executive officer of uh, a, a business that's 1100 years old. Amazing in both senses of the word. Um, what's, what's your, what would be your advice? How did, how did that feel? And, and what would be your advice to women entering business and, and, and trying to crack 1100 years of history? Uh, so it felt um, it felt incredible to be appointed um, anyway, um, but it felt um, particularly um, uh, great to be appointed as a female and to um, I think it's you know I I think um, I've sort of had slightly two minds about this, but I have come to, to a conclusion about it because quite often I'm thinking, well, I've just been appointed as me and, you know, focus on me and the qualities and, and, and those sorts of things. But actually, I think it's really important that um, women in um, roles like my own can actually be role models because um, it actually um, can show people that it is um, possible. And I always say, though, to, to people, and I, to, when I potentially do talk about that type of thing, I always say, I think the my advice to people is you've really got to be yourself. So, um, you know, if in the past people have tried perhaps to be you know like men behave like men to be to get promoted um you know equally don't behave like me because i'm just a person as well and 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 i think people have what we've got inclusion has got to really make everybody feel like they are valued for themselves and and the skills that they have and you know lots of different women have lots of different skills just equally as men do um and you know uh you know of all the different elements of gender so um i think take confidence from it but actually do do really focus on being yourself but my main advice would be not anything to do with gender just take any opportunity that comes up and be open-minded i think yeah that would be my advice yeah and you've clearly demonstrated that it is possible even after 1100 years yeah um you, 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 there, were, there were quite a number of different strands to the, the success of the, the reinvention of the, of, of the Royal Mint. One of, one of our um, uh, audience, uh, they're not an audience, yeah, they are an audience, they're watching us, but we can't see them, but, um, asked, uh, what, what's really been the biggest success or the most important element of that, that reinvention? I don't know how you would measure the biggest or most successful, but there were different strands. Which, which would you point, put, point a finger to, uh, at and say that that was really crucial? Oh, good question. Um, I think, um, oh gosh, I don't know how to choose. Um, I think the, um, do you know, I think as carrying, it's not the piece of business, but as being able to anchor and carry on with our strategy through COVID, um, actually was, I think, really absolutely critical to where we are. 
um, because it could have really knocked us totally off and I think it would have been difficult to to um, move forward then so um, I think um, that was was really important and I think um, I think launching some of the new businesses um, has shown that we can actually do new and different things for those people who perhaps may not have had the confidence to, to do that. And the, the success of our, of our business, um, of the organization, is how it all fits together. And I guess that, that um, for me uh, means that I can't choose one part of it that, that, that was more important. No, that's a that's a good point. Um, I, I feel almost guilty talking to you as the chief executive of the the Royal Mint that I don't I don't think I've really spent any coins in about the last eighteen months like like many people. Yeah. One, one of our one of our participants um, has has asked you sort of touched on this, but if you have any further reflections on what 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 do you think the role of the mint is in a in a, a what's fast becoming a cashless society? So. Um... I think that um, so our role is is um, uh, to produce the um, uh, to produce coins for the government. We, we're not people who do policy. Um, that that's absolutely for for different people. But I know the government is working really hard to make sure going forward that um, people do have access to cash. Um, there are about two to three million people, um, uh, estimated, who for a very long period um, in the future will really want to make sure there is access to cash and will primarily be um, cash users. Um, and quite often that is linked with um, uh, uh, low income, etc. And so it's really important that government's really focused on, on ensuring that there is access to cash um, and they're uh, working on you know how how they can make sure that 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 takes place locally and we actually um, do run the um, uh, the forecasting part of the of the process in coins and really it our role can can help in terms of how can we make that as efficient as possible so we can get coins to places that need to 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 be there um, but I don't think we'll see it. I don't think we'll see coins going um, totally because of um, there needing to be that access for cash and for people who really want to to use cash. Yeah, yeah. So the idea of a totally cashless society is uh, uh, one yeah. that would bring so, it. So for instance, in um, uh, Sweden, so right around the world, the very, very different. Uh, but in Sweden, for instance, where the government really um, had policies to really drive toward cashless, um, they've now legislated for people to actually hold some cash because they they recognise they've gone too far. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it's a change. You know, it, it's forecast in the future, but um, it's not quite as 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 simple as it may seem. I think. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Uh, I'm dotting around the questions a little bit. One that popped up earlier on, I think potentially from one of our e economists, harking back to you at the start of your university okay. career. <laughs> <laughs> um, how, how, does the, how does the Royal Mint determine the selling price of um, your gold proof coins or indeed those little bullion bars that look so attractive when you 
showed them earlier. If you'd been here in person, you could have brought some free samples along. I know, I know, I know. How do you ter- know. determine the actual selling price of, uh, of so, in different um, forms? So just like anybody else, any other um, normal co- commercial organisation would determine the selling price. So, um, you know, it's obviously the cost of of the raw materials that go into it. If you think about the um, our commemorative coins, it's a very um, detailed, time-consuming, um, hand-driven um, uh, process to actually make one of those. So if you think about our circulating coin, that's really high volume, um, low, low um, skill in terms of the actual uh, individual coin whereas the commemorative very high very high skill made made by hand and each one individually is looked at um, etc so um you know the costs of, of of that the cost of the marketing team and all those sorts of things just like any other organization so there's there's nothing different about us in terms of that yeah, yeah, and you did mention you were looking at uh, elasticity of demand curves at some point in the, in the recent I know, past. we were. Yeah, we genuinely, I didn't just say that, we genuinely were. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Um, another very relevant question. Um, we, we're sitting here in the, the middle of uh, the COP26 um, procedures. How, how important is sustainability to the Mint and, and what are you doing to to address that and bring that into your your values and your and your strategy. Yeah, yeah. So absolutely um, critical for us, um, and um, in, as part of our five year strategy, which I mentioned, um, we've just had approved as a, 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 a clear element in in terms of um, sustainability. So um, we. Um, Internally, um, we're doing all the things that people would expect. Um, we've got wind turbine, we've got solar, um, and we've got a number of other um, energy, um, uh, renewable energy sources. Um, and um, our, our key element in terms of sustainability is how we recycle um, precious metals so that um, going forward, we will be making products from recycled uh, precious metals and and that's part of our business strategy uh, as well um but each and every um area um has a you know it's absolutely uh, woven into our um just the way that we're managing the business and so for instance um you know ha- the packaging that we use we are really focused on you know as part of our strategy um, we are fo- really focused on bringing back more of our supply chain into, into the UK. So we've got um, targets set as part of our strategy over our three and five years to actually do that um, and to look at, um, you know, do people really need so much packaging? How could we think about it differently, not just thinking about it being recycled, but actually do people need it as, as much? So it's absolutely um forefront of of what we're doing we really as an organization um we we're sort of not great at singing our praises but that's because we only really like to say when we're really great at doing things and we just don't want to greenwash so we've got loads that we're doing but we actually want to be much better before we go out and and really um uh, shout about that um but our um eco precious metals part is is our first element of doing something really differently. 
that's interesting. Um, another, another question from a, a different angle, but perhaps relating back to your sort of HR and uh, em employment days. Uh, um, one of our participants was asking whether the whether the Royal Mint appeals to the millennial millennial generation. I suppose it's always another way of saying that is what what are you attracting young people, younger people, younger generations into the um, into the Royal Mint as employees, or is it uh, you know, an image of uh, you know old blokes with hammers and things like that sort of producing yeah, yeah. coins as well? Been no, we absolutely are. We've got a really big digital team. We've got a really big marketing team. Um, and we've we've been uh, really pleased to recently um, take uh, part in the Kickstart program, um, and that has been fantastic because um, not only we've been able to provide um, development training for people, but actually um, we've been able to um, recruit new people in through that. And I think um, you know those people have really brought in um, new skills. They're looking at it in a different way, and that's a bit like I talked about um, being inclusive and thinking about what products and what customers you may have. Because um, you know, I don't, you know, some I don't think probably I could think of a product that that somebody who's twenty is going to need, and my daughter certainly tells me I I can't do. Um, but you know those people who 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 are in that generation, they absolutely can do that. And so um, we, it's part of our um, diversity and inclusion to really have people of all ages. And um, now having people um, uh, young younger people um, means that we need to adapt how we. Um, work how they want to work i was talking to some it's not not for us but talking to somebody yesterday who said that they've got lots of engineers who don't want you know want to work at two o'clock in the morning well it doesn't really matter does it as as long as um you know they're absolutely doing their job and i think you know um industry is going to have to really try and adapt to do those things and um we absolutely are, are, are doing that here and um I think um, you know. Uh, I guess if people talk to the Kickstart people or or any of the uh, the people um, here, then um, they they find out that I think we're a great place to work. And if any of the students are interested, um, we've got loads of uh, of areas that that we're recruiting for at the moment because not because people left, but because we're really growing in in new areas. In fact, I was just talking today about how we are going to have a, um, a, a graduate placement because we just need more people are in our sustainability team. So if anybody's interested, send the CVs in. I'm sure our graduate placement team will be somewhere on this call and be getting in touch with you. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, um, another great question. We're coming at you from all sorts of different angles here, but uh, um, Adele has asked, um, are there other businesses that you think are doing a good job in evolving their, their business, diversifying in the face of the sorts of challenges that you've you've faced? Are there any other sort of models in different sectors that you've, you've, you've seen and thought, yeah, they're, they're doing quite a good job of that, changing themselves and evolving? Yeah, that's a really good question. And um, I think that... Um, I've sort of been asked before about, you know, well, which organisations do I sort of admire? And I think for me, um, I sort of like to pick bits from, from all, all over. So, um, you know, one of the um, things I, I looked at in terms of um, uh, developing the strategy uh, was EasyJet. 
you know, I think how they really focused in on developing some of their um, add-on areas has, has, has been really great. I think, um, you know, we have looked at um, people with, with, cause we're premium brand and that's absolutely part of our brand positioning and um, we've looked at, at some um, different organizations that um, have really um, managed to um, expand their brands so um, uh, I'm trying to think uh, uh, Tiffany's has, has done that partly so yeah I, I, I don't think there's one organization and sometimes we say that we say God, it'd be so easy if we could just compare ourselves to another organization and learn it or follow what they're doing but we have such different um we've got a corporate strategy um which is where all our businesses are brought together but they are interpreting that in in very different ways in their different markets so if you think about um our investment business an investment customer is very very different to a coin collector who's very very different to a, a tourist so um, that's why it's really quite dif difficult to do it. Yeah, you are. I mean, you have developed in different, really quite different markets, haven't you? Yeah. So I'm sorry, that's not a really good good answer. Um, but yeah. No, I think it's a great question and a very very good answer it's as well. It's a great question. We can't the answer, but yeah, yeah. If any, if. if the person who asked that or anybody else knows of any company because uh, we're always really eager to learn what people are doing um yeah good uh, i'll wait for some suggestions to roll up on the uh, the questions in a minute <laughs> in a minute some answers not just uh, not just questions um quite a quite a detailed question but quite interesting one actually it, um um and it makes an assumption is it is it true that because you've got large stocks of certain um coins for example the the, the two pound coin that you you won't you've got enough to keep to keep uh, uh, them in circulation without having to make any new coins for quite some considerable time ten years twenty years uh, are they all hidden away in the depths of Wales no so um so so that's not quite right so um uh, I know where it comes from so um we did have high stocks um, and um and it was at that time that the NAO um, did a did um they were looking at cash supply generally, and they wrote that in a report, and that's what went went into the press. But actually, um, in between them, them them writing the report, COVID had happened, and some very strange things have happened for in coins in terms of COVID. Whilst people have been using less cash um people haven't really been moving around the cash as much as they have been previously and also perhaps people who may have previously um spent um coins from their choice from their change um pot weren't doing that so actually there has been a higher demand in full coins which has meant that we don't have all that stops there now it's a very sort of strange, uh, feels counterintuitive, but the demand, and that has happened in, in uh, all countries around the world. So for instance, in um, the US, they literally could not make enough coins. They were, they were running out of them. And I think we think it's because they weren't circulating um, effectively. 
yeah, yeah. So the velocity of the circulation slowed down. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, question, question on gold in investment, um, uh, which is how, how popular is gold investment? Is, is there, has there been gr growing demand? I'm, I'm embellishing the question a bit. Apologies to the, the question. But has there been growing demand for gold as an investment through the COVID period? Absolutely, yeah. So our um, our precious metals investment business um, has um, just grown exponentially during that time um, in two ways. Um, the market has been absolutely um, buoyant, um, but equally, um, we've been the, the team. We've got a great team in there, and what they've done is taken market share as 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 well. So um, yeah, it's been absolutely. It, it, it is. Um, uh, uh, if there's any instability in the world, that's when people go to gold. And therefore, um, you know, you literally can um, look at the news and think whether you can, whether they were going to have high gold sales or not that week. It's as, as sort of instant as that. And obviously during COVID, people felt very uncertain. So more people um, came to it. But um, we do do, um, in terms of investment, um, obviously, you know, people are buying gold and then they're selling it. But equally, we do products where people are sort of saving up. So we do something called little treasures where, you know, if you were a grandparent or a, a parent um, and the child was born, um, you do it any time, but, um, and you wanted to, to um, you know, buy some gold, say every month or every six months or every birthday, then um, you'd be able to do that and store that with us. And then when the child was 18, they would get the value. I mean, they could have the physical gold or they, they, could, they would get the value of the gold. So things like that, um, you know, really are not impacted by um, what's happening in the um, economy. Great. Uh, um, Alan Honey asks, um, he also thanks you for the talk. I'm sure um, uh, many of our um, audience would do as well, uh, of course. But uh, um, he says, you and your colleagues have clearly changed the direction of the Mint, and you just you described the, the, the quite radical changes that have been. And the, the question is, I think, is, is really quite quite uh, an interesting one. What, what input did your owner, meaning I presume the Treasury, uh, have in this process? Or are they just interested, in, uh, they're the shareholder, are they just interested in the share price and the profit at the end of the day? How, how involved were they in that strategic yeah. journey? Yeah. So um, actually really interesting and I suspect not what people would, would um, probably guess had happened. So um, our owner um, really has set as a set of, of objectives really about um, developing um, innovation and entrepreneurship in, um, in, in Britain to, to create jobs back both here but um, you know, in other parts of, of the of the UK, um, if it can't be here, um, and um, has been really supportive. So we're in, we're an asset. We're a government asset, um, and just like any company, um, you know, would have a value. If if we um, declined because of, of circulating coin, then you could imagine that actually as an asset we're, we're worth less as well. So um, so you know it, it's in their interest um, 
to um, want to see us to be successful. And they've been super supportive in, in, in terms of that. They've been really, really fantastic. Um, and, you know, they um, obviously are really committed to UK manufacturing and therefore and really committed to, to sustainability and therefore really um, happy with, with our direction. Yeah, no, that's great. I mean, a, a large manufacturing company and a tourist attraction in the middle of Wales, or outside of Cardiff, obviously has a, a, a lot of lot of value. Can I just add to Alan's question, build on it? Uh, just a thought occurred to me. Um, do you have any relationship with that other great institution involved in, in money and, uh, and monetary policy, the bank at all? Uh, do you have any either formal yeah. or informal connection or any... Uh, yeah, we absolutely do. And um, in fact, last week they, they were visiting here. So um, so we do have a um, uh, 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 couple of meetings a year with them. They have quite a different role to us. So they do more of the policy around um, the, the notes, etc. And obviously, you know, they do a whole host of other things. Um, but in terms of um, cash, we do get together with them. And um, for instance, if we're, we're doing some research and it, it makes sense for us to, to jointly fund that, we might do that and, and learn from each other. But there are quite a lot of differences, but we do get together to, to, to share best practice. Mm -hmm. Thanks. Um, I'm conscious that we've been throwing lots of questions at you and really grilling you for quite some time. I'm just going to take uh, uh, one more question before we close. And, and it's, uh, it's, it's a, a very obvious one, but very pertinent. So thank you for, for putting this one up, which is uh, what's next for the Royal Mint? So what's next is on our five-year five year, uh, strategy. Um, and, you know, just... Um, watch this space in terms of us becoming um, the UK leader in precious metals recycling. Um, that's, uh, you know, going to be, um, it, I can't overestimate that this new technology is really solving, um, uh, uh, solving a problem for the world and it's based here in 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 um in the uk so we'll be growing that substantially and we will be really moving and looking at what other technology um we could use as well and and um, how we absolutely grow that and we'll be launching our our new business so watch out i think that would be just just after Christmas, and we will be growing all our businesses um, and growing uh, our consumer businesses and growing um, internationally significantly. That's that's, that's great, Anne. I'd, I'd never have guessed that uh, that precious metal recovery would have been something that you'd be moving into. But when you describe it as part of your strategy, it just it seems yeah, such an obvious so way. Move. Yeah, yeah, and and I would, when I we did the launch last uh, week, um, somebody interviewed me and they said, "Oh, it's not." I'm really surprised, and I've said, "No, you should expect us to do that because actually we're all about precious metals, and over 1,100 years we've had to reinterpret that as as the world has changed, and actually that you know um, sustainability is is the world's biggest problem at the moment, and therefore you would be expecting you should." it's only right and proper that that's absolutely where we're focusing our development. 
For more information about the Bristol Lectures series, including other podcasts from the series, visit uwe.ac.uk forward slash Bristol Lectures or follow hashtag Bristol Lectures. Thank you.